0: welcome to the approach shot the golf show that's more laughs than links more stories than strokes more guffaws than golfers here are the hosts of the approach shot john ashton and neil michaels
2: it is time for us we being the approach shot i am john ashton he is neil michaels
1: I am indeed. Always have been, always will be. Happy 4th of July weekend to you and yours.
2: Oh, thank you. You know, my birthday is Tuesday. It's the 5th.
1: I did know that. Oh, okay. Your gift is on the way. Okay. Well, you know, it's probably still being distilled. So
2: (laughs) (laughs) check me out in 12 years. Okay. I'm wondering. Have
1: I told you my scary July 4th story?
2: No, sir, you have not.
1: Back in the Atlanta days, so. 15 years ago or so, my son had moved down with me for a little while. We were big 4th of July people, and, and Georgia was not a state that you were supposed to be able to set off fireworks, but everybody went to either Tennessee or Alabama and bought some. So we're all set. We're in the back of an office park, which is shut down for July 4th. It's just us, a little drizzly, pretty, but still good enough to be able to set off fireworks. I lit the first one, and he's sitting in a lawn chair in a safe distance away. And because of the moisture, didn't catch right away. So I'm doing it at arm's length, trying to be as safe as possible. Nothing happens. So I go over and I take a quick peek to see what happens. And <laughs> it hit me right in the temple. And I mean, inches from my eyeball. Mm-hmm. And my son jumps out of the chair. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I stood there stunned for a second. And I thought, well, you dummy, that's why you don't stand over (laughs) top of it to check on it. And so that was the very first firework that night. And so it took us both a minute to sort of, you know, get settled back down. But thank goodness, you know, we had a mission. My arm became much longer after that.
2: (laughs) I can imagine.
1: And we had a really good time. But to this day... I let other people who are faster, stronger, and smarter than I set them off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Speaking of faster, stronger, and smarter, hmm. we have a guest today who probably oh, yes. would would check all those boxes.
1: All of those, but not to mention funnier. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Andy, Van Slyke, is coming up, and. Yes, sir the
1: slight zone. We're about to turn into the slight zone.
2: And that in itself should be enticement enough for you to hang out right where you're at. We are The Approach Shot. And we'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is Neil. And since we started doing The Approach Shot, I get asked a lot, what other podcasts do you recommend? I recommend my buddy Scott Edwards' show, which is called Stand-Up Comedy, Your Host and MC. Stand-Up Comedy, Your Host and MC is Scott's celebration of 40-plus years on the fringe of show business. Stories, interviews, and comedy sets from stand-up comics, as Scott likes to say, interviews of the famous
2: and
1: not-so-famous. Episodes include stand-up sets by hilarious comics like Dana Carvey, Jay Leno, Bob Saget, Jerry Seinfeld, Paula Poundstone, Ray Romano, and more. It's really funny stuff. Scott's interviews are with comics, writers, and friends from the world of comedy, and his material comes from his chain of comedy clubs. He's produced dozens of comedy fundraisers and even written two books on comedy. So, if you need a good laugh from the famous and eh, not so famous, go to ScottsComedyStuff dot com and download an episode or five. That's scottscomedystuff.com dot com, or download stand up comedy, your host and MC, wherever you download podcasts.
0: <laughs>
2: and thanks for hanging out Uh, we are the approach shot i'm john ashton he is neil michaels your middle name today is not nearly as slick and you got to explain that one to me
1: well i don't think that that's going to require any explanation when we do the introduction for our guest today played in the major leagues for 13 years including four years with the cardinals and eight years with the Pirates. Andy, I've seen a bunch of people interview you, so I'm just going to start this the same way. Five gold gloves, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, also a guy who could give Yogi Berra a run for his money when it comes to quotes.
3: Yeah, those days, Clever can see those days again.
1: Well, I don't know. I think Clever still stays with you. It's Andy Slick Van Slyke. Yes. There you go, John. There's
2: not nearly as. I got gotcha. yeah, you. Yeah. Well, I, I will have to admit I'm probably uh, uh, agreeing with that. It would be difficult. <laughs> and you and I have something in common. I want to get out of the way real quick. Gray. In, in gray hair. Yeah. That, that's one thing. In 1979, I took a job as the all night jock at WAKY radio in Louisville, Kentucky. Wow. And used to hang out and go to Redbirds games.
3: Yeah. We set the record. you play. Set the record in 1983 for a million people. Yeah, yeah. minor league record attendance. We couldn't even do that in Pittsburgh when I first got there.
1: <laughs> but it then you got there me. and everything changed, right? Everything changed. Yeah.
2: Well, you well, know they're not. It's they're, just starting, the, it's starting. to change. You had a great. Now match. the River Bats and they're not. They're not with the Cardinals. They're with the Cubs. I mean, they're with the Reds now. So with the Reds,
3: Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Only an hour yeah. down the road, it should be the Reds.
2: It so. should be indeed. Yep. But. Yep.
3: I did. You know I. Uh, when you hit three seventy, yeah, you like any town you're in, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like Anchored Anchor, Alaska. You know, I mean, if I,
1: yeah, yeah. It, when you get cold up there, yeah, it, it's not just your the the way you're hitting, right?
3: No, it's no. But you know, Louisville was great. You know, it, and you're you're at the doorstep of the big leagues, and you know, St. Louis only being four hours down the road. Sometimes it you know feels like it's a million miles down the road, but it was a great town and. I really enjoyed my uh, three months there.
1: Yeah. I'm a little confused about your life here. So, you know, let's start with a big question. I'm confused about Andy Van Slyke's life. I think most people will remember the eight years that you spent at Pittsburgh, partly because of your success there, partly because of the team. But you've pretty much kept St. Louis as your home. How does that jive?
3: You know, here's the thing. Uh, when I first got to St. Louis, you know, I've been here about a year and a half, and Whitey, Herzog. a Came up to me, said, "You know, slick, you ought to buy a home. You know, you're going to be here for a while." Well, there's an old saying in in, in uh, baseball: as soon as you buy a home, you, you get traded. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but what Whitey was trying to do is get all his young players to be established in the community. He thought that was really important. So uh, he went to me, went to a bunch of guys in the other condos or homes, did that. It was it wasn't until next spring I got traded, and so <laughs> of course we, you did. Whose dogs barking? By the way,
1: not mine.
3: We're
2: very professional. Yeah, it's, it's my it's my dog. Someone just came to my front door. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's my dog.
3: Well, he's a really small one. I know that. Yes, he is, <laughs> but he's mean as hell.
1: He was just cussing at him right before you got <laughs> on, too.
3: <laughs> well, anyways, um, yeah, I you know I, I didn't know if I was ever going to be traded from Pittsburgh, or if I had known I was going to be eight years in Pittsburgh, I, I definitely would have uh, definitely stayed there probably
1: so you're you're a center fielder interestingly enough okay i'm going to go to one of your unbelievably funny quotes maybe in my personal opinion the funniest which is they wanted me to play third base, base like brooks so i did play like brooks like mel brooks, mel brooks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh whitey had an ingenious idea he had four great outfielders and so in spring training in 1983 he knew I could play the outfield. That really wasn't the issue. He had David Green, Lonnie Smith, William McGee, and George Hendrick.
0: <laughs>
3: so you know, where's the room for Andy Lance Spike? You can't, you know, you can't play uh, you can't play four guys in the outfield. Well I guess you can't today, they do that sometimes. But <laughs> he called
1: the shift, right?
3: <laughs> um so he wanted me to learn how to play third base and so it was an experiment. Well, funny thing is the day after I uh the day after I got married, my wife graduated from college. And a week later, we get married. And I, the next day, I had to fly back to Louisville from upstate New York. Didn't sleep for two days. I played third base. <laughs> and it's my buddy, Rick Horton, who's still a personal friend of mine to today, is, is in the fifth inning. And the game is tied now five to five, and he's given up five under runs because I made four errors <laughs> at third base. And so Jim Fergosi, the manager, comes out to the mound, and he and I got my back completely turned to the mound. Usually, you see all the infielders gathered around the mound. It's a big, you know, big, big powwow. Can I say powwow today? I'm going to say it anyways. You yes, the powwow going on. And he calls me over. Hey, fence like, get over here. So the, all the infielders and Rick's there in the catcher. <clears throat> I finally get over there and Jim for goes, he says, Hey, Rick, you know why I'm taking you out of the game? And Rick goes, I have no idea. I've given him a five on runs. He goes, because you can't keep the ball away from our third baseman. <laughs> True story. There you go.
1: That, is, that is, I told you I was a center fielder.
3: <laughs> you I point, have to prove it. Single game when I was in triple I started at third. By the seventh inning, I was in center field.
1: <laughs> See, a very wise manager you had then. Yes, yes. So you're in Pittsburgh, and you're playing center field, and you were a hell of a center fielder, my friend. I mean. Right. You you don't need me to tell you that.
3: No, I was but, I, I did a I did okay.
1: You did better than okay. But you're wandering around with Barry Bonds on one side and Bobby Bonilla on the other side. At any point did that make you feel like first of all, we're a really damn good outfield, but second yes. of all, like you're definitely the third best known outfielder in that group.
3: Probably, but you know, here's the thing, you I I I knew Barry was a great defensive left fielder, mm-hmm. and he won six Gold Gloves in a row. So there's no doubt he was a great left fielder. I, I still think of all the things that Barry Bonds accomplished. I think his defense is the most underrated part. Of when you when you when you want to talk about Barry Bonds as a complete baseball player, but the nice thing was <clears throat> that I, my biggest fear wasn't, you know. Whether I was the best player or not, or I had two superstars next to me, my biggest fear is that Bobanija was such a bad outfielder that he was going to collide with me and ruin my career. My career—that was my, possible. So I told Bobanija, I said, "Bobby, you line up right down the line, and anything to, to, to your right, I got it."
1: <laughs> that really—that that keeps his area really small, doesn't it? <laughs> you
3: got, you got a very small area to worry about. And you, Think about your hitting, what you do anyways when you're in the outfield. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect. There you go. I'd
3: be looking over there, you know, bases would be loaded, and I try to communicate hey, you know, yeah, I move in a little bit, and this guy hits the ball to the right field, Bobby's over there. More <laughs> the stance. You know, he's kick going. he's got his hands going, he's practicing And I'm going, hey, Bobby, uh, we're on defense right now. <laughs>
1: That's the days that you saw left-handed lineup against you. Those are days that really scared the hell out of you, didn't they?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I cover center and right, but Bobby Bobby was a great player and had a really good career.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the thing that was great about Bobby is that that you knew that you were always in the game when you had those two guys with you. You were never going to be in a position where you thought, well, it's, you know, it's two or three to nothing in the ninth inning. We stand no chance. No, you stood a, a good chance.
3: Right. Yeah. And here's the thing. I really benefited from from those guys. I hit third, you know, and Barry hit fourth and Bobby hit fifth. So, I mean, you know, who are you going to pitch to? Me first, probably, you know. Mm-hmm. If you, so I got to see a lot, of, a lot of pitches that, you know, if I hadn't been surrounded by those guys, I probably never would have seen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So having them come behind you made you a better hitter.
3: Well, basically. let me let me ask you a question: Who'd you rather pitch to, me or Barry?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs>
3: oh, no, but and, and
2: then, that's
3: that's just the way it is. And that's why you know great players like Barry make their teammates
2: even better. They definitely do. We've got more with Andy Vance like right here on the Approach Shot. So don't go away. Well, here's something I bet you didn't know. According to the CDC, one person dies every 36 seconds in the United States from cardiovascular disease, and one in four deaths is attributable to heart disease. Do you know that? So if you're not taking your heart health seriously, you need to act now. Now you can take an all-natural daily supplement that not only helps protect your heart from free radicals, it also helps boost athletic performance. It's a brand new specially formulated supplement with a powerful blend of essential nutrients, antioxidants, and botanicals to optimize your heart health naturally. Snap Supplements Heart Health. It's loaded with naturally grown herbs and nutrients that work in partnership with you to help keep your heart healthy and performance strong. Now, I've been trying it out for about a month now, and I got to tell you that especially out on the golf course, I don't get anywhere near as tired. Snap Supplements is offering our listeners a 10% discount on their first purchase by using the link snapcardio.com slash guys. That's S dot com slash guys. Try it out. Your body will thank you. SnapCardio.com slash guys. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Generic Sildenafil allows you to save up to $650 on Viagra. Why pay name brand prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get the same results for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 50 generic Sildenafil pills for just $99. Call 800-590-0443. That's 800-590-0443. Zero four four three again eight hundred five (laughs) nine zero zero four 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 three Zero four four three. again 8 <laughs> love it when I ask you not to go away and you don't come on back here stay with us the approach out I'm John Ashton he is Neil Michaels Andy Van's Mike is our guest the the Slick zone man that, that was that was cool who came up with that was that was that a, a a fan thing that happened or
3: I really don't know it's just uh you know when I first got to Pittsburgh actually I played right field before we got Bobby Benilla you know Jim Leland came to me in my first uh, I played maybe a month and he said uh, I'm making a hard decision here, but I want you to play center field and we're going to move Barry over to left. Right? And I said, well, I'm all for it, but how's Barry feel about it? And Jim says, I don't care how he feels about it, we're better, but we're a better team. Hmm. And then after that, center field just felt natural to me. And the interesting thing is, Barry probably wouldn't have been a great defensive center fielder, but he was a great left fielder. Yeah, And he made himself a great left fielder. So not every Right fielder and left fielder can play center field. Yeah.
1: yeah, and what's interesting about that is that he was a great left fielder, and he was, and he wasn't. He, didn't he throw left handed, caught right handed? Yes, he did. So, as a left fielder, that that would seem to be contrary, but he played the hell out of it.
3: Well, here's the thing: you know, any ball that was hit past the third baseman on the ground is normally a double. But the way Barry would sprint to the foul line, going to his right, his right-handed glove, he would scoop that ball and he would rotate. And the ball would be coming back to the infield as the runner is either touching first base or is on his way to second. Well, as a base runner, your instinct is you have to stop when that ball's is coming into second base.
2: Right.
3: He got rid of the ball, got to the ball quicker than anybody I've ever seen play left field. And not that the throws were always on line because they weren't, but you can't really tell that when you are running first to second, you make that wide turn and you see the ball in the air. You stop. So what has happens is that allows the pitcher to throw a ground ball and get a double play. And I can't tell you how many times I saw that happen. Next, next batter, ground ball, double play, we're out of the inning.
1: So let me ask you something about your career slash stats. You had double-digit home runs seven years out of your career, but you had double-digit steals for 11 years, including stealing 34 twice and 31 time. Mm-hmm. Your game – was as complete as anybody that we've ever talked to. You stole bases, you hit for power, you're a, a great defensive outfielder. Was there a part of your game that you took more pride in, or was it all just across the
3: board? I would say base running. You know, today they they, they rate base runners. They didn't really do that. Um, but I had a scout come up to me. Um, I don't think I've ever told the story. This might be the first time I've ever told this story. Okay. It's probably one of the proudest things that, that uh, I ever felt as a major league player. And, and you uh, know, I just re- really don't like talking about myself, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways, because I'm 60 and I'm an old player, so I'm going to do it. But anyway. There you go.
1: <laughs> and we invited you to do that.
3: That's right. He came out to me and he said, I just want you to let you know that you've been rated the highest base runner the last five years in the big leagues.
1: Wow. Ooh. Did not know that.
3: Yeah. And also he said, I want you also to know that as a, as a, as a outfielder, you have stopped more th- runners at third base by coaches holding up their hands in any, any uh, out outfield in the last five years also. Wow.
1: See, that's the thing about the way statistics are now that they weren't even when you played, which right. is now they take more of that stuff into account with war and war plus and things like that. Right. Think right. about how much more money you could make now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, at one time I was a thoroughside play, player in the big leagues, and and now there's 98 uh, percent of the players are making more money than I was.
1: Yeah, hmm. so it's
3: just, just the economics of the game changed right when I got done playing. It's just it's really, I think it's tremendous. You know, it, you got you got a you got a a professional career that lasts very short. You only got a, 600 guys, 650 guys that can do it at once. Um, everybody wants to be on that field as little boys growing up,
2: yeah.
3: they should be comp, you know, I mean, it, I, I, I think I don't begrudge any player making as much money as he can. And totally I, agree. I, you know, it's just, it's a short term thing. And, but I tell you what, I wish I was born 30 years later.
2: There you go. <laughs> there you go. Now, you you went right right to the uh, well to minor league ball, but you went right from high school. You got drafted right out of high school, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. How much how much how how hard of a transition was that to to actually start playing with the big boys immediately?
3: Well, you know, forty years ago when I got drafted, well, whatever it was, I didn't play a lot of baseball growing up in upstate New York. I would play maybe sixteen to eighteen high school games, maybe sixteen to eighteen summer league games, and that was it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I missed my first year of baseball because I broke my wrist. And then I only had basically two and a half, three years in the minor leagues of, of professional baseball hitting. So, you know, I, I think in, maybe in the last 40 years, I've had probably the least amount of at-bats as an amateur and as a as a professional to get to the big leagues. Because these kids today, you know, it doesn't matter if they're from Venezuela, or Puerto Rico, doesn't matter, Korea. They're playing 100 games a year as amateurs. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why they're so polished when they get to the big leagues. Now you see 20-year-olds who can dominate at the big league level where that was such a rare case, you know, the LK lines. That didn't used to happen very often. Right. But it happens an awful lot today because yeah. of how much baseball they're playing. Yeah.
1: So now you've gone you've transitioned from the ball that's coming at you to the ball that's sitting on a tee. And we are told by some of your friends that you are quite an established golfer.
3: I was,
1: (laughs) was okay.
3: Yeah, like 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 you two guys. There's a lot of was in our lives.
1: (laughs) What are you trying to say? (laughs) It does happen that way, doesn't it? So, how often were you playing? How did your game get, and then uh, how did how did it go in the other direction?
3: I was about a 15 handicap, and within five years, I was about a scratch golfer. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow! And how long ago was this?
3: Oh well. I 90 I'd say I started playing golf in 1998 97 90, 97 98 so I didn't play golf really growing up I would fool around a little bit when I was a player but you know I here's the thing I I wasn't going to play something unless I got good at it and you know after I could see progress happening if if I didn't see any progress in in uh in my golf game I would have taken up tennis or something else so mm-hmm. I just needed to be still, still be active after I got – I needed that competitive thing. That's the thing that golf was so great about was it was the first time that I had to compete within myself Yeah. And trying somebody else
2: to get better. Did you take any lessons or was it all self-taught?
3: Uh, as I became a scratch golfer, right around, you know, one, two, handicap scratch golfer, whatever, then I started taking lessons because – you know, here's the thing about being a scratch golfer. I can go out and shoot, you know, 68 or 69 one day, but next day I shoot 78. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the problem, is the inconsistency of, of a, a scratch golfer versus the guys that are plus five, plus six handicaps.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and why, I mean, have, are you still playing? And why has your game changed? Is it just age?
3: Um, well, I've had... In the last two years, I've had three surgeries, so that's oh. a lot to do with it. But I had my shoulder done, I've had my neck done, and I've had my elbow done. I had my elbow done two weeks ago. So ah. right now, I'm swimming at a golf club is probably not in the doctor's <laughs> <place>. <laughs> yeah.
1: right, Right there behind, Move, you know, mowing your lawn with a push mower.
3: <laughs> I got guys outside right now doing it. I right, <laughs> time I see them
1: and you look and you go, hey, I would, but I can't. No,
3: no, no. My wife says, no, you're not mowing the lawn anymore. I said, good idea.
2: Yeah. Wait, let me argue. No, I don't want to argue. Here we go.
1: Can your wife call my wife
2: and say the same thing? (laughs) That's, that's, I figured that's, that's why they have teenagers. So you never have to mow your lawn.
3: I used to try to make my kids, you know, here's the thing. Growing up, I, my dad made me mow the lawn. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had a push mower with no motor on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I get this beautiful $5,000 John Deere riding mower, and I can't get my sons to sit on it. Right. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a generational spoiled bunch of kids, man. I well, kids, and I love every one of them.
1: That's right, and, and they're all great athletes.
3: They're all good. Kids. I had four boys, and they're all they're all tremendous tremendous men. Fantastic. Well, that's a,
1: that that it seems like you have the stuff figured out. That would be on the top of the important stuff list.
3: Well, I, well, the most important thing is I married a very wise woman, and mm-hmm. she made. You know, did a. Excuse me. Did a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, raising my boys,
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. sacrificed myself for my career. So, you know, I thank God every day for.
2: That's fantastic, man. You know what? One, one, one. That's the way it should be. It is. exactly, exactly. How how disruptive to family life is a major league career, man?
3: I think it all depends on your attitude.
2: Okay. I
3: really do. I think it's like any, any man that has success in his career, you know, is he put, does he put his job first, his family first? Uh, does his wife give him more rope? The more, you know, the, the, I mean, here's the thing. At least it used to be in our culture that, you know, if you work hard, um, you put your years in and you try to be successful with what you're doing you better have a really good wife who has patience that you you're going to put the time in to provide for your family. And my wife did that for me.
2: Fantastic. She knew that,
3: you know, that in the off season, as much as she wanted me home, I was out training four or five hours a day, mm-hmm. and getting ready for the next season. So, and here's the thing, there, there was a little bit of a chasm that took place after I got done playing because yeah. she thought, be, you know, you know, washing windows and cutting grass and, I was too young for that stuff yet, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what, what why golf was such a such a hook for me.
2: Fantastic. You know one thing I think I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to start memorizing some of those one-liners and quotes of Andy <laughs> Van's like so so I can I can imitate him next year's <laughs> talk like a pirate day. What do you think? <laughs> think that works?
1: I think maybe you should start with your wife first for her the <laughs> appreciation Andy does, and then you can be a pirate.
2: Okay, I got you. Hey, we've got the, we've got a six pack of questions. It's a tradition around here, okay. and we're going to uh, act some as soon as we come right back. Hang out. The approach us' coming back with Andy Van Slyke in just a few minutes.
4: If you're like me, you've been hearing a lot about burials and cremation lately. It's kind of a sad thought, but. Thousands of these poor souls have to be stored in these big refrigerator trucks, waiting sometimes weeks before they can be put to rest. And then and then the average funeral cost is over ten grand. I don't have that kind of money just lying around. Do you? Everyone has the right to die with dignity. And an affordable burial policy can be had for as little as a dollar a day. Call Final Expense Network for a free quote. They shop for affordable rates from brand-name companies, folks you've heard of, One call and you get coverage to finish well. You can even name your church as a beneficiary. Come on, you have loved ones. Don't leave them at the last hour of their need. Call now, 800-589-0470. That's the final expense network at 800-589-0470. Finish well. Make a quick call to 800-589-0470. 800-589-0470.
2: And thanks for hanging. This is The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. He is Neil Michaels. Andy Van Slyke has been our guest and still is. We have not scared him off yet. Even though he's not contractually obligated to stay, he's still here, which is really, really a testament to the man. Hey guys, come on, hurry up. Let's go.
1: (laughs) Why are you even making that suggestion, John?
2: Six-pack time,
1: Neil. Go for it. All right, Andy. This is the section that usually makes people sweat a little bit, makes you feel a little uncomfortable. We love that part. It's where we uh, ask you a six-pack of questions. We expect you to give us the very first answer that comes to mind. No thinking about it. No, hmm, let me, uh, let me come up Can with I something
3: clever. Are these the same six questions you pose to everybody, or are they different?
1: No, hell no.
3: They're different for everybody. Oh. Well, then I'm ready.
1: There you go. <laughs> In case we see you doing that, hmm, let me think about it. You're going to hear this. Uh, you know what that means. That means uh, hustle it along here, buddy. That's not the deal we had. Uh, okay. see, right, right there. like <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and start. Good idea. <laughs> Question one. You brought a lot of energy and enthusiasm to the game and to the locker room. Who picked you up and cracked you up when you needed it.
3: Don Slot, because he, his statements were so stupid that I had to laugh <laughs> he, he had the dumbest, he had the dumbest opinions that I've ever heard, so I just had to get my head out.
1: <laughs> Sluggo, we love you. Sorry about this. <laughs> I'm just gonna go right to question two and hope that you were kidding. Since <laughs> you were
3: a... why am I what do you mean am I kidding? <laughs> just a friend of the show it's not true there is it
1: (laughs) question two since you were a prolific defensive player which excited you more a game-winning hit or throwing somebody out at the plate
4: oh
3: gosh there's nothing more demoralizing than throwing somebody out at home plate especially if it's the go-ahead run or the tying run and not only that you know what's even better when they hit a ball at you and you throw the ball right through the cutoff guy, and the guy catches it and you're standing at third base. I'm giggling. <laughs> <laughs> did you? If oh, you did I, something I, like I, that, I pointed at the guy at second base and I would give him, I wagged my finger, don't go if i that Go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love this. Uh, question three You are a terrific golfer. Were. A terrific golfer. Tell tell us your most memorable putt in a tournament, or your most memorable round.
3: Uh, my most memorable round was before a tournament in North Carolina. I shot my lowest score, sixty four. My Ooh. most memorable shot was when I was playing with my buddies here in St. Louis on the second hole. They asked me if I was going for the green and two, and I said, "Yeah." And watch this. I'm gonna hit it in the hole, and I did for a double eagle.
2: You called your
3: shot. I hold my shot with a four on a par five. Yes. Whoa. Wow. Have you ever had an ace? I've had two. Two and two albatross.
2: Yeah, that, I mean that's that's just that's just gluttonous, man. You well, just
3: that's show- fuck. That's fuck. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little. Maybe a little talent, but it's fuck.
1: He's just I, showing off.
3: Yeah, now. <laughs> old ones, but go ahead. Next question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now he's controlling the six pack. Question four: Living or dead? Who would you like to have a beer and talk sports with? Jim Thorpe. Oh, mm-hmm. that's pretty heady for a guy who just who just said all the things he just said.
3: Well, Jim How Thorpe was the most underrated great athlete in American history.
1: That is true. That is true.
3: Nobody knows Jim Thorpe, and the guy he was like he was he was like the first Jim Brown.
1: Yeah. Also true. Yeah. Interesting, though, that he's not a baseball player or basketball player. He's just an all-around athlete. Correct. Are you a historian of that?
3: It was part of the culture. He he probably would have picked one and became a professional.
1: Yeah. You
3: know, back then, it wasn't a big part of our culture yet. So, and it didn't pay well. It did not. No.
1: Question five, you're obviously shy. So, tell us the most embarrassing thing that happened to you on the field during your playing days.
3: Oh, gosh, that's easy. I, I slid into second base with, with a bladder full of urine. Mm. And, I, and, you know, at, at 60, I can understand maybe having a little leakage, but not.
1: <laughs> so when you stood up, was it really obvious to everybody?
3: I, I was hoping it was raining, but it was very, it was a very. very
1: uh, <laughs> and there you go. Hopefully
2: that's the first time you've shared that story.
3: Uh, well, my teammates saw it, so.
2: Did the grounds crew have to come out after that? And fix no, it, it wasn't okay. terrible,
3: but you could tell. It was, it, okay. was, it was like when you spill coffee on your lap. Put it that way. Yeah, there
1: you go. Somebody who finally got their uh, embarrassing moment up there with Steve Lyons dropping his pants <laughs> on first base.
3: Yeah, close. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. And question six, and we ask this of everybody who comes on the show. Since we are the approach shot, Andy Vance, like in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by?
3: The Bible. Hmm. I try to live by the word, God, word of God. I fail often, but um, um, it's, it's Jesus that drives me. So that's how I try to live my life. So and that might a, be the best answer we've had. Representative of who he is.
1: Love that. Well, I'd like to say you're off the hot seat, but it didn't even seem lukewarm to you. So no, you know. he was never I he was never
2: well positioned on it. No, not at all. I thought you were going to ask me some tough questions.
1: <laughs> no, I never said that. I I did say that they would be interesting questions, and your answers were
3: really obviously was it was the light six pack, not not a it was yeah, an <laughs> IPA. Generic light.
1: It was like a summer beer. right? <laughs> All right. I got one question I have to ask you because it's just, I think it goes with your personality. Sometimes, you know, you hear people talk about the universe this and the universe that, but considering your sense of humor and considering the way you seem to, to hold life, the fact that you were traded to Pittsburgh on April 1st. 1st. And thought it was an April Fool's joke. I did. Cracks me up.
3: Yeah, I, I was totally date. I was. I was. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on the field. It's uh, getting ready for batting practice. I don't know. It's eight thirty, nine o'clock, and oh, I don't know, maybe earlier than that. I can't remember the time. And I'm getting ready. I'm stretching, and here comes the. Uh, here comes the clubhouse guy. Hey, Whitey wants to see you in the clubhouse. Go to his office, okay? So I run in there, and, I'm on, and on the way, the, me- the trainer comes up to me. says, hey, are you okay? I said, what do you mean? He goes, does everything feel okay? Are you you're not, don't have any injuries, to you? And I'm thinking, okay. They just called me off the field. The trainer, who's never talked to me, the all-spring training is concerned about my body. <laughs> what the heck's going on? So I walk in, the, sit down, Whitey sits, sits me and goes, hey, Slick, I got some good news and bad news. We traded you bad news is it's the Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, Whitey, thanks. I will give the you- game. no, I traded you.
1: <laughs> How long did it take before you were like, he's serious?
3: Uh, after he said, no, I really, I traded you. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about going from the penthouse to the outhouse. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but I mean, you show up in Pittsburgh though with pomp and circumstance, and you are now the man, right?
3: I mean, I loved it. You know, the, the, it's it's I take a lot of pride, you know, helping restore baseball in Pittsburgh. You know, yeah. I, I came from a uh, from a town and an organization just came off of winning World Series. We went to the World Series in '85. We lost to the Royals, obviously in Game Seven, but we were drawing three and you know 3.3 million, 3. 3 million people in a small town like St. Louis. You go to Pittsburgh, you can't even draw a million. Yeah. But by the time we were running championships, we were we were well over two million people in Pittsburgh. So you yeah. know, I, I had something to do with that. So that's pretty good.
2: It, it is. Pretty good. You know, there's one thing I I I spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. I, I worked full time in Wheeling, West Virginia, and part time in Pittsburgh. And the trip, um, just before you get to the city when you're coming in from the west, yes. and you go through that tunnel. Yes. And you come out and in and, and, and you know, west of that tunnel, it's all trees and, and country. And you come out of that tunnel and bang, there and, are the three rivers in the city of Pittsburgh right in front you of you. No,
3: know, I earlier guys, I mentioned that I, I wasn't envious of any of the players making money today, but what I am envious of are those Pittsburgh Pirates who get to play in that field. That is yeah. by far the best field in all of Major League Baseball. Mm. It is it I mean, you talk about a quaint I mean, when you sit behind home plate and you look out during the night and that city seems like you can reach out and touch it, it, it is yeah. the best ambiance, I think, in all baseball. Yeah.
2: it's. I always thought they should open up all of the sports shows with, you know, football, baseball, whatever you're playing in Pittsburgh. Open the show with that shot. It's, it's, just, it, it's uh, so dramatic.
3: And if anybody, anybody listening who who, uh, who can tolerate watching the Pirates for night innings, it'll be <laughs> worth just to see that stadium. Yeah. Oh yeah. It
1: looks like they might have uh, the the beginnings of finally coming around. They're 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 well, off to a decent they had, start. They've
3: had a lot of beginnings. The problem is they never want to finish it to the end. That's yeah. that's been the problem. Yeah.
1: And and one more thing before we let you go here. I know that you played under Jim Leland and then he hired you to, to be first base coach in Detroit. Did you love his him as much as everybody who seemed to play for him did?
3: I think I loved him more than I could express. He He did everything for me in my career as a baseball player. Um, You know, I came from a great manager, Whitey Herzog. And Mm -hmm. uh, I played for another, I think, Hall of Fame manager, Jim Leland. So I've been very blessed to play for maybe the two of the top five managers in the last 50 years in all baseball.
2: Yeah, agreed. So when, when you recuperate completely from the surgeries, you're going to get back out on the golf course?
3: Um. If, if my body says yeah absolutely but the only problem if I went out and now and shot in the 80s I'd probably break every one of my clubs and quit. <laughs> no, well, you know- no, I, I'm not. I'm not like I was, you know, 25 years ago when it comes to golf. I was obsessed and and uh, I really cared about the number I was putting up. You know, for me, it's probably more of a social thing now, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah definitely.
2: Yeah.
1: We have we we interviewed a group of guys uh who have a company called Whole Hecklers. And what they do is you, you have a charity event and they come out and they heckle you on a par three just to get you to put more money in the jar. And if you put money in the jar, they stop heckling you. Sounds to me like until you get your game back, you know, that could be something you'd be great at.
3: What putting money in the jar or heckling? Heckling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at putting money in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what my preacher tells me.
2: <laughs> Ten percent, Andy. Come on.
3: <laughs> no, it's actually a hundred percent. As long as he uh-huh. has got your heart, he, he'll get what he needs.
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. There you go. Definitely does. Man, it's been it's been fantastic, man. A great spent my time with you guys. So. Just like one minute left, I have a question I would love to ask, and I've, I've, since especially that you you said how how few. Hold on, this is an eight pack. (laughs) It's an eight pack. How few amateur games you play? I don't understand how people can see a ninety-plus mile an hour fastball. How does that happen, man?
3: Um, I don't know. How does how does Michael Jordan dunk from the foul line? It's just.
2: It just happens. So.
3: Either you have it or you don't, it can't be taught. It's a, it's a gift. We all have different gifts that, you know, mm-hmm. that have been, been been bestowed upon us um, for some it's their minds, obviously not me, some it's their body <laughs> and you know, others it's uh, you know, they, they know how to put it, the right stitch and, and, and save someone's life in an operating yeah. room. So we yeah. all have different gifts and, and for the guys at that level, they have the gift of, Fast twitch muscles and good eyesight. You can't have bad eyesight and play baseball, I can tell you that.
2: And that's why Andy Vance-like is is the baseball hero that he has been, and I've been behind a microphone my entire life. So there you go. All right, guys. <laughs> you explained it well. Andy, great to meet you, sir, and thanks for great spending time with us here on your yeah. All right. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Have current events affected the ability for you to pay your bills? Has your credit card debt overwhelmed you? Has your income decreased because you're working less or have you lost your job? Credit Guard of America may be able to help you find a solution to this problem. We offer a free, no obligation consultation to learn how you can cut your payments by up to half and potentially lower your interest down to zero. Credit Guard of America is an A rated nonprofit company that will work on your behalf. Credit Card of America is licensed in all 50 states and has counseled over 1 million consumers struggling with debt just like you. Let us help you analyze and prioritize your debt, negotiate with your creditors to reduce interest and payments, set up one affordable monthly payment, and provide ongoing education and support. Call now for a free no-obligation consultation and learn how you can become debt-free. Call 800-613-7650. That's 800-613-7650. 800-613-7650
2: Yeah, we know you've heard it before, but it bears repeating. The dude is just, he's hilarious.
1: I honestly had no idea. We had Don slot on and uh, Slogo gave us Andy's information. Had no idea really what to expect. He just, he, we, we didn't talk much. Prior to going on the show, if he doesn't like what he's doing, he could do some stand-up and be darn good at it. The idea that his nickname is Slick mm-hmm. and that he played between Bobby Bonds and Bobby Bonilla—there th- are layers <laughs> to this man we probably didn't even touch yeah.
2: upon. The, the third base story, though, is my favorite, and I will—I will love that story forever.
1: That—that that will go down in in, in our annals. <laughs>
2: Now you you had a July Fourth story at the I beginning did? of of the program here. You know my birthday is the fifth, and you know that I was ten years old before I stopped believing my parents who told me that all those firework displays were for <laughs> me, were <Or> for you. <laughs> and and I also lived in Atlanta, and that was that was great. I mean, as, as soon I don't know if you've ever been in that in in a state where they did not allow f- real fireworks, but as soon as you cross the border, because both. States of Tennessee to the north and Alabama to the west, fireworks were cool. They're, you know,
1: you don't get a mile into either state when there are
2: no. huge <laughs> fireworks stands. It's like six or seven of them, they're open year round. Right. <laughs> and there, they get there even before the rest area that says, Welcome to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what they do with
1: the leftovers that they don't sell. I think we probably both have a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the South. They blow stuff up.
2: (laughs) And they blow it up real good.
1: (laughs) Real good. (laughs) Hey, one quick July 4th fact that I found the other day. Did you know that the Declaration of Independence, which supposedly was signed on July 4th, Mm -hmm. only had two of the original members sign actually on July 4th? One of them being John Hancock. The other Mm. 52, I think it was, Mm -hmm. signed some other time in the month of July. Some huh. rain on well, my birthday or on your birthday. Yeah, it's John Ashton's birthday. All right, that's
2: I'll sign. <laughs> Michael's birthday. Come on, line up. Yeah, we're old, but not quite that old. That old but that's right? but thank you anyway. But anyhow. <laughs> oh man, just just keep remembering that that it is my birthday. I'm going out and playing golf on my birthday. I am yeah. going to have a great time, keeping that's in so mind fun. however that the game I play is the same game that was invented by the people who invented bagpipes and called it music.
1: And also remember that life is like opening brand new fireworks. While you should open them, do so with
2: caution. (laughs) <laughs> you've been listening to the approach shot with the weekend golf guys if you like this week's episode be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify
0: or wherever you download your podcast and find us on the web at approachshot.net with the lucky land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere